Greetings, friends, fellow patriots, and fellow citizens, and welcome to this week's edition of the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski. I'm the president of the We the People Convention, and I'm the host of this podcast. And this podcast and our emails and our text messages and our website and uh, everything we do is made possible by the generous donors of the We the People Convention. And if you'd like to support us, uh, you can do that by going to wethepeopleconvention.org. Um, for those of you who've been longtime viewers and, and listeners to this podcast, thank you so much for your, your loyalty, for your support, for your messages, and most importantly, for acting on what we uh, talk about uh, that we can do, you and I can do, to perfect and to protect and defend our freedom, our liberty, and our prosperity. For those of you who are new to this podcast, um, you know, you will note that, you know, this podcast is intended to give you the news that is not propaganda that affects you and your family and your future and our country. And, and it's, and it's, well, I'm going to talk a lot today because there's a lot for you to know that does affect you. It's not all about talk. It's about action. And there will be things I will ask you to do to help protect your freedom and liberty and prosperity, uh, in this podcast. So be ready for that because if we don't act, What's the point? I'm not here to entertain you. I'm, I'm really not. I try to make it as interesting as possible. I'm here to inform you. And that's, that's, you know, today's world, that's really the most important thing I can possibly do because we live in a world full of lies and misrepresentations and intentional distortions. And only by getting some truth, only by trying to figure out what the heck is really happening, can we really affect the change that needs to be affected to uh, you know, protect our nation and our future. Um, I had the pleasure of, of being at a luncheon on Friday morning just yesterday. We're recording the show on uh, Saturday, March 12th, uh, 2022. On, that, on Friday morning, I, I had the honor of uh, being uh, with David Barton, the great David Barton uh, of the Black Robes Regiment, a uh, historian who you know gave a presentation uh, about the Constitution and about what's wrong and why it's wrong and how far we've drifted from the Constitution. And it reinvigorated me. It really, you know, it was great to, you know, to have him remind me so I can remind you that, you know, we formed this government to protect our inalienable rights, which come from God, not from men. And those lives, uh, those rights that are inalienable, that are not, you know, in question, cannot be taken from by anyone, are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, those are the, the those are God given, and we are now in a world where there are forces, both internally and externally, who are basically trying to take that all away from us. And we cannot allow that. We must act to, def to defend our Constitution because that's who we are. And these people who pretend it's a living, breathing document and it doesn't have anything to do with God, it has everything to do with God. It's, 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 you know, it's very clear in the Declaration of Independence that, you know, that this was all created with God at the base of it. And anyone who denies that is not an American. 
is not, you know, does not believe in the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, or any of our other founding documents. So that's the battle that the lines are drawn. And so I've got a lot to talk to you about today because things are getting dire. Things are getting really scary for freedom-loving people the world over. And, and I'm going to try to bring that into focus uh, for you, uh, you know, as, as we go through this. You will note that, um, you know, it looks like uh, Valley Forge outside of our window here in Ohio today. And I kind of feel like I'm at Valley Forge when I think about the, what faces us, you know, ahead. The forces we're fighting, which seem so powerful and, and, and how, you know, how we just have to use our, our scarce resources to fight back. You'll note that uh, my flag is hanging upside down. Uh, a flag, our flag has been flying upside down since, uh, the Biden, uh, coup that, that installed him as the dictator of our country. Uh, you'll see this uh, image that I just found that I think explains it pretty well. I ask you to fly your flag upside down because we are in dire distress, you know, unbelievable distress as a nation. And you're going to see that today, but we're going to talk about solutions. We're going to talk about what you and I can do and must do to, you know, to fight back and defend ourselves. Now, those of you who've been watching the show for a long time, and I know we have a lot of new uh, viewers and listeners because I was looking at the numbers and both on our audio podcasts and on our video streams, our numbers were way up. Thanks to you. Thanks to the people who tell others about this podcast. So, you know, uh, I know there's a lot of new people here. We've been starting our podcast with a prayer for the uh, political prisoners illegally being held in Washington, D.C., uh, in the D.C. Gulag, the January 6th prisoners who've been held without trial, without bail, with totally unreasonable trumped-up charges. Uh, it's It's been a disgrace and a violation of human rights and international law, as well as our Constitution. So we've been... You know, really working to uh, to you know support the the prisoners to get them released, and I'm going to talk to you about uh, someone that you know did get uh, you know did you know get uh, released this week. If you want to know more about these prisoners, go to j6truth.org. J6truth.org. You can send them letters. You can. Uh, donate to help pay for their legal defense. You can support them. And we are also including in our prayer, our prayers, the political prisoners in Canada, the two leaders of the uh, truckers convoy, who to the best of my knowledge are still in prison, uh, wrongfully being held in, in, in prison in Canada. Um, you know, we're praying for them. We're obviously praying for the, the innocent people, the innocent civilians in Ukraine who are being killed uh, unnecessarily and, and wounded and having their lives destroyed. So let's just take a quick second and say a prayer for, the, for, the, for these political prisoners and for the people in Ukraine. Thank you for doing that. And please keep them in your prayers every day. Um, trust in God. God, you know, can deliver us from evil. And, you know, we need to pray for these uh, these innocent people, uh, you know, that are being, you know, that are, are really at the 
the tip of this evil that's permeating our, our world and our nation. So here's some good news. Judge dismisses obstruction charges against Texas defendant charged in January 6th breach of capital. On federal judge on Monday dismissed an obstruction charge against a man accused of breaching U.S. Capitol on January 6th, ruling that he himself had not directly interfered with Congress's certification of electoral college votes. And again, we've been making that case for a long time with all of these people. Officials have had accused Garrett Miller of being an active participant in the January breach, and on May 12th, a grand jury issued an indictment to charge him with 12 different criminal offenses, several of which are felonies. According to court documents, federal prosecutors had argued that Miller's alleged involvement in the breach obstructed, influenced, or impeded Congress's ability to certify the Electoral College of the 2020 uh, Electoral College vote of the 2020 presidential election, or attempted to do so. But in a 29-page opinion published on Monday, U.S. District Court Judge Carl Nichols said that ambiguities in the wording of the law require him to take a narrow reading of it. Okay, so this is really important. Under the narrow interpretation, the court ruled that the defendant must have taken some action with respect to a document, record, or other object in order to corruptly obstruct impede or influence an official proceeding in order to be charged with obstructions. But Nichols said that because prosecutors had not alleged that Miller took such a direct action and instead had simply joined a large group of people who breached the Capitol building, the obstruction charges against him must be dismissed. Now, this goes back to... You know, this, this thing that was passed during the Enron scandal that there were documents destroyed and a law was passed about obstructing an official proceeding. But it had to do with destroying records and things, not with walking through the Capitol. Okay, so uh, the ruling leaves open the possibility that prosecutors could potentially seek a new indictment against Miller, which alleges that he specifically interfered with Congress's records. It could also change how the government prosecutes future January 6th cases. Miller's attorney, Clint Broden of Dallas, said Judge Nichols had made the right decision and noted that it could potentially affect future cases related to the Capitol breach. In charging Mr. Miller with violating this statute, the government obviously believed that the ends uh, to be accomplished somehow just charging with a statute that was not applicable to his alleged conduct. Uh, Judge Nichols correctly decided otherwise. So this, what this means is this ruling could affect many of these other cases because the charges that the DOJ and the FBI and the prosecutor's offices, you know, are using are just bogus. There are 12 counts it's just wrong. People who were, the, the police opened doors to the Capitol, invited people in, they walked through the Capitol, came out, damaged nothing, hurt no one, did nothing, and our government is putting them in prison. Don't get me wrong. I was there on January 6th, okay? I saw it with my own eyes. There were people who were in fights. There were people who broke windows. There were people who did things. That's very small. I don't even know how many people that could be. Maybe 50 or 30 or 20. Uh, you know, they need to face, you know, the, the music, uh, you know, criminally on what they did. But even those people didn't do things like commit treason or insurrection or any of this other nonsense. Okay. So the fight continues and, and we're moving forward. 
So this is the other thing that happened this week, you know, and I think it's really important. Uh, Project Veritas, and you know, full disclosure, we donate to Project Veritas. If you go to wethepeopleconvention.org, you'll see this graphic and this story. New York Times reporter admits ton of FBI involved in January 6th. And this was a two-part undercover video sting operation by Project Veritas. Um, Two part, uh, the two-part Project Veritas undercover video show New York Times national security correspondents admitting there was no insurrection on January 6th and that the FBI was involved. New York Times national security correspondent Matthew Rosenberg contradicts his own January 6th reporting. Quote, he says on the video, there were a ton of FBI informants amongst the people who attacked the Capitol. While the New York Times is held, that's not true. Rosenberg, quote, it was like me and two other colleagues were there on January 6th outside and we were just having fun. I know I'm supposed to be traumatized, but like all the, those colleagues who were in the Capitol building are like, oh my God, it was so scary. I'm like, F off. He called them out. It's all bogus. Um, Rosenberg said, I'm like, come on, it's not that kind of place. I can tell you someone to man up, the New York Times, but I kind of want to be like, dude, come on, you are not in any danger. No insurrection. Rosenberg, these effing little dweebs who keep going on about their trauma, shut the F up. They're effing bitches. Rosenberg, uh, they were they were making too big a deal. They were making this as an organized thing that it wasn't. They know it completely. They knew it on January 6th, and they continue to lie. So the big lie isn't that, you know, we claim the election was stolen and it wasn't. The big lie is that they claim that there was an insurrection on January 6th, and it's a movie. It's a made-up, wag-the-dog farce. It doesn't exist. You you can uh, watch the videos if you go to um, wethepeopleconvention.org. Click on that story. Um, you can watch the videos at Project Veritas. And again, we use some of your donations to support Project Veritas because they do this work that 60 Minutes and other news uh, outlets used to do and don't. Now they're all part of the government propaganda machine. They're Pravda. Okay, there is no media. There's Project Veritas, Dan Bongino, you know, Tucker Carlson, you know, Newsmax, One America News. There's some people there who are still in the news, but most of them, they're just propagandists. Okay, so now on to the war. We need to talk about the war. Okay, now again, you heard, and, and, and I have to tell you, I'm being very careful about what I tell you and show you because both sides are using so much propaganda that it's hard to make sense out of anything, okay? And I mean, we'll talk about some of that. But here's something that, that actually happened that nobody's talking about. And that is that when the Ukrainians and the Russians met along the Belarus border, they actually came up, the Russians came up with four demands for peace. Okay, here they are. First, Ukraine must halt all military action. Second, Russia wants Ukraine to recognize Crimea as a Russian territory. Now, that's a territory in southern Ukraine that Obama let them take 
And when Ukraine tried to stop them, Obama sent them blankets, not javelin missiles like Trump did. So that's the second thing. Recognize Crimea. Third thing, you must recognize two regions of its territory as independent countries following Russia's recognition of the Donetsk, D-O-N-E-T-S-K, People's Republic, and the Laska, L-U-H-A-N-S, People's Republic, last month. Those are those two uh, you know, areas right bordering Russia that are part of Ukraine. Again, he's trying to create a buffer from NATO. He does not want NATO on his border. And fourth, they want uh, to, them to change the Ukrainian constitution to make it clear that they can never join NATO. They have to remain independent. Those are the four requests. And if and he, they said, if this happens, we will stop the war immediately. Well, you didn't hear any diplomatic building on this. You didn't see anybody, you know, in the U.S. or Europe saying, well, let's let's see if we can work on that. Now, again. I got it. I got it. You don't, you know, we wouldn't want to give up Texas, you know, to Mexico or something, right? So I, I get it. They don't want to give this up. But, but I also don't want to see tens of thousands of civilians massacred. So you're, you're kind of trying to, you know, find a solution and no one's going to get everything they want. I'm not for appeasing tyrants, but if you're not willing to go to war and defeat the tyrant, then you're going to have to come to a diplomatic, you know, settlement or more and more people are going to die and it's going to grow and grow and grow. So, you know, what could we do in that negotiations to say, okay, you know, you get these things, but we're going to put whatever, uh, you know, cruise missiles in Ukraine or, you know, to deter you, you know, we're going to do these things for Ukraine to make it better than it was before this invasion. Again, no effort, no effort to do that. So then the story comes out this week, and I'll tell you, guys, this has just been nuts, just nuts. And this is a story about U.S. having had funding bio labs in Ukraine. Now, what's amazing to me about this is that half of our news media, instead of including Bill O'Reilly and, and some on Fox, but not Tucker Carlson and stuff like that, are, are saying this is Russian disinformation. Except, except Undersecretary of State Victoria Nuland admitted during a Senate hearing on Tuesday that there are biological research facilities in Ukraine that are under the control of the United States government. This is the Undersecretary of State admitting this. So how are you supposed to make me believe that it's not true? In response to a question from Senator Marco Rubio, Nuland said that any chemical or biological weapons released in Ukraine would be the fault of Russian invaders. Now that was cute because Rubio, who seemed shocked when she admitted that there were bioweapons or biolabs in Ukraine, he immediately said, so if there was any biological attack in Ukraine, it would be the Russians' fault to give her, like, cover and an out. But that's not what she said, okay? I mean, that's not what, what the, the, the story is. Newland, who helped engineer Ukraine's regime change coup in 2014, and again, this is another story that no one talks about. We, the U.S. government, created a coup in Ukraine that put Zelensky in power, okay? 
This place is not the democracy that they make it out to be, and it's hard for you to see that. Uh, so she was part of the regime change coup in 2014 when she was the Assistant Secretary of State for European Affairs under Barack Obama, said the U.S. is working to prevent Russia from capturing the facilities. Okay? Ukraine has biological research facilities, which in fact we're now quite we are now concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may seek be seeking to gain control of. So they're working with Ukrainians on how we can prevent any of these research materials from falling into the hands of Russian forces forces should they approach. The U.S. Embassy in Ukraine stated on its website that the U.S. Department of Defense runs a biological uh, threat reduction program in the country. Now, that's not the same as they're creating biological weapons, but we really don't know what's going on here. And then a June 2010 article uh, detailed how Barack Obama, while serving as a U.S. senator from Illinois, was prominent in negotiations for a deal to build a level three biosafety lab in Odessa, Ukraine, which would handle especially dangerous pathogens. The article titled Biolabs Open in Ukraine was deleted from the web, but recovered by the National Pulse and published. Among the viruses the lab side were Ebola and viruses of pathogenically grouped two by using a virology, molecular, serological, and express methods. This laboratory was reconstructed and technically updated. So these were, the, what the, the story that we're getting is, well, these were former Soviet units. Remember, Ukraine was in the Soviet Union, that these were former Soviet labs and that we then, in 2010, you know, funded them to bring them up to, you know, to safety standards and keep employing, you know, the people that used to work there. To what end? Why are we making viruses like the China virus that can wipe out humanity under the guise of so we can stop them from wiping out humanity? No one ever explained that to me about the China stuff and Fauci funding the lab in Wuhan. What are we doing here? And what the hell are we doing it in Ukraine? But don't don't gaslight me, Bill O'Reilly, and say well, this is Russia misinformation. Okay, you admitted it. We found it. There's there's a document on Gateway Pundit that said that, that there was they showed a contract. That one of Hunter Biden's companies that he formed after getting money from Ukraine funded one of these bio labs. The president of the United States' son was involved in this. No story there. You didn't see that on, you know, in the Washington Post and New York Times or any of the other lamestream woke media. This is the problem, folks. This is, there's much more going on here. And you, you know, I'm trying to help you understand the scope of it. Okay. So let me be clear. Russia should have never invaded Ukraine. I didn't think they would. What they're doing is evil. Putin is a murderer. Okay. That's a fact. But we are complicit as well. We could have stopped him. We didn't bring on sanctions soon enough. Biden funded him flat out. Joe Biden created this because Every time the Russians have moved on Georgia, on Crimea, now Ukraine, it followed a giant increase in oil prices because that's where Putin gets his money. And on day one, or right after 
Biden took over, you know, stole the election, he authorized the Nord Stream 2 pipeline from Russia to Germany, which made Germany de dependent and defenseless, and most of Europe's defenseless, because Russia could cut off their power, and he funded Putin. So don't tell me that Putin's responsible only for this. Joe Biden's personally responsible. All the commies in his regime are personally responsible. That's a fact. That's not my opinion. And then we were paying them $60 million a day to buy 600,000 barrels of oil a day until this week. How idiotic was that? Not idiotic. It's evil. Joe Biden did that. Okay? Now, this is an important part of the puzzle here. White House warns Russia against nationalizing McDonald's, Apple, and other companies pulling out over Ukraine. The Russian government and general prosecutor's office are considering a proposal to nationalize the assets of foreign companies that are suspending operations or pulling uh, uh, out of Russia over its invasion of Ukraine. The Russian newspaper Izvestia reported on Thursday. The report includes a list of nearly 60 companies, including McDonald's, Apple, Ikea, Microsoft, IBM, and Porsche. All of these businesses have offices, buildings, factories, storefronts in Russia, and can be forcibly taken by the state, BBC News reports. White House Press Secretary Peppermint Patty Jen Psaki publicly warned the Kremlin last week that any lawless decision by Russia to seize the assets of these companies will ultimately result in even more economic pain for Russia. She said nationalizing foreign assets... Uh, would squander any trust Russia has built up since it scared off all foreign investors in the Bolshevik Revolution. Yeah, like Putin's worried about scaring people off. This is war, Jen Deere, okay? And you take serious action. So let me posit this to you, because we're playing with fire here. I just told you that Russia controls 60% of Germany's energy and, and large percentages of, of, you know, other, like Latvia and, and Estonia and other European countries. When we say we're going to stop buying your oil and, and we're going to cut you off. Now, notice we said that no one else has followed us. No one else on the globe has done that. So we're only hurting us, not them, because Russia has plenty of markets for that 600,000 barrels a day we were buying. But see, but Biden isn't hurting Russia. He's hurting us because he won't let us drill. He won't let us become self-sufficient. And more importantly, from a national security interest, he won't let us defeat Russia by outproducing them and giving, or not giving, selling our oil and gas to Germany and the states that are dependent on Russia to free them. Okay? But guess what? If you're Putin... And maybe you're as crazy as they say he is. What if you said, okay, you want to play? Let's play. I'm going to cut off all gas and oil to Europe in 24 hours. What would Biden be able to do? Nothing. Guess what would happen? The greatest depression in the history of the world. How, how can, if you cut off oil and gas, it's winter in Europe. How are you going to heat your home? 
How are you going to turn on the lights? How are you going to, how are you going to you know, move your goods? He could collapse the world economy right now. That's how dumb we are. That's how really unbelievably reckless these college indoctrinated morons that are in the Biden administration and in Europe and woke jokes who don't live in a who live in a fantasy world and don't know reality. That's reality. Pray to God that Putin doesn't get that idea because that's a lot worse than just saying, I'm going to take all the McDonald's in, in, in Russia. And McDonald's had said, we were going to, you know, we're not, we're going to close our restaurants, but we'll pay the employees, right? Like good little, you know, woke joke companies do. But Putin is saying, yeah, you want to play? Let's play. So here's the other big story, folks. Global governments begin warning of critical food shortages. First things first, there is no need for panic, and it is important to remember the United States is a net food exporter. The U.S. is blessed with food production and capacity uh, industry that leads the world. We have fertile land, abundant harvest, and strong advantage of food independence. That said, the influence of multinational corporations in our agricultural industry over the past three decades has ramifications. And we have outlined exhaustively on these pages that what the real-world consequences are. As we head into a chapter of global food crisis, the food production capacity of the United States can be viewed as an asset, but only in so far as we are willing to secure a national food supply for our, 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 our interests. Okay? Now, understand, you know, there are some alarmists you know, saying that Russia and Ukraine are the breadbasket of the world. But they're not. They're not. They're the breadbasket of Europe and parts of the Middle East and parts of Asia. It is more accurate to say Russia and Ukraine are to Europe what the United States is to North America. Canada and Mexico could survive without U.S. farmland, but they would have to modify quickly. Europe, the U.K., and Scandinavia can survive without Russia and Ukraine, but they too would need to modify quickly. So here's the problem. Russia is the leading producer of fertilizer in the world. We in the United States buy tons of it, literally by the ton. The price of fertilizer last summer or whatever was $185 a ton. It's now like $850 a ton. And when you talk to American farmers and they are now saying, hey, not only are we going to have to pay this for fertilizer, but now the gas prices are going up. So our tractors, the trucks we use to move our corn, our wheat, whatever. And oh, by the way, wheat, Ukraine is one of the largest producers of wheat in the world. So it's going to affect you and your family. Okay? You need to understand, food prices are going to soar. There's going to be shortages. You need to prepare. Now, I've made comments in the last couple of weeks about those of us who watch this show have been prepping since Obama, but I, I need to respect the fact that there's a lot of you who are new to this, okay? I, you know, my wife and I, our family, I've got, you know, stored water. I've got stored food for like 90 days. And I'm thinking that may not be enough. If you have not stored anything, if you don't have food on hand, you need to go today and buy, if you have to, just buy canned foods, buy things that will last a long time, okay, and just put them in your basement. 
because you cannot be sure of anything. We do not know what's going to happen here, okay? So I'm just warning you, that's what this show is about. This story is a fact. There's going to be a huge hit to world food resources, and millions are going to die around the globe because they barely have anything to eat now. This is serious. You need to act today. If you don't have water stored away and food for like at least a month, you're, you're taking a risk you shouldn't take. Now, I'm not trying to cause a stampede or a panic. Conservatives conserve. Conservatives use our brains and we think about what could happen and we prepare for the worst and work for the best. Okay? That's all I'm trying to tell you. Please listen. I don't want you to be in, in a bad situation if the food, you know, if, if we start getting some food shortages. Okay, I, I do need to, to talk about this one thing because it really made me angry. Um, many of you know that there's this big controversy about Poland that has 29 Russian-era MiG-29 jets. They have 29 MiG-29s. And the whole plan, this, this clown Blinken, who was our Secretary of State, goes out and publicly says, uh, we give, the United States gives permission to Poland to give those planes to Ukraine to replenish their air force, okay? And we, the United States, will replace those planes with used aircraft or out-of-commission aircraft that we have that would be better than those MiG-29s. Well, Poland goes, what are you talking about? We never agreed to that. <laughs> they sent out a, a tweet that says, fake news. Unfortunately, you're spreading misinformation with your quotation from 227. Poland won't send its fighter jets to Ukraine as well allow uh, the use of its airports. We're helping in other ways. Well, why was this important? Well, it was important because Poland doesn't want to start World War III. And so with America, without even talking to the Poles, this Blinken makes a statement without consulting the Poles. And the idea was that Russian or Ukrainian pilots would go into Poland, go to Polish Air Force bases, get in these MiGs, and fly them across the border to fight the Russians. How would Russia not see that as an act of war? Right? So then Poland very smartly played this really smart. Poland says to the U.S., oh, here's what we'll do. We will give the planes, these MiG-29s, to the United States. We'll have them flown to Randstein Air Force Base in Germany. Okay? And then you, the United States, can take them. Okay? You can uh, you know, have them flown from Germany. From Germany, have them flown so that they can fight. And what did the U.S. say? The U.S. said, no, thank you. How could the transfer of MiG-29 evolve from a green light position by the U.S. Department, State Department Sunday into a high-risk assessment by the Pentagon today? This is the question that no U.S. media will touch because the answer is almost too jaw-dropping to contemplate. The answer is that our U.S. military knows that it would be an act of war and they immediately backed out of this deal so that they wanted Poland to take, but the U.S. wouldn't take. Wow. 
So let me just put some things into perspective, and we're big on perspective here on the We uh, We the People Convention News and Opinion podcast. This is a map of wars currently going on in the United States, in the world, in, in 2022, right now. Now, you'll notice Ukraine isn't on this map, but you'll see in the blue all these countries that are at war. How come we're so focused on the Ukraine war? How, did you know this? Listen to these couple of these statistics. Okay, obviously Afghanistan, you know that war supposedly over because that we pulled out. Though they're still fighting there between the uh, Taliban and ISIS, uh, ISIL, and all that. But take Ethiopia. Ethiopia has been in, uh, in has been in a civil war and has resulted in more than nine thousand documented casualties. Though some sources say more than fifty thousand by the end of last year. In Mexico, right across our border. There's been a drug war ongoing between the Mexican government and multiple powerful and violent drug trafficking cartels. It is estimated the war on drugs has led to at least 350,000 deaths in Mexico with more than 72,000 people still missing from January 2006 to May 2021. How come no one's interested in that? How come the innocent people in Mexico I've seen the pictures, you've seen the pictures, who die by these cartels every day. How come that's not important for our media to cover? How come nothing to see here? Yemen, okay? The civil war in Yemen began in September 2014, and, and since then, the U.S. And, and Saudi Arabia have been you know, supporting one of the sides and has counted more than 140,000 fatalities since the start of the war, including 20,000 in 2020 alone. Why do these other wars get no attention? But, you know, you should pay attention to just this war because there's all kinds of other stuff going on in Ukraine that has to do with the Great Reset, has to do with, you know, changing the, the global economy, changing, you know, you know, basically, you know, reordering nations, you know, their, their, their borders and things of that nature. But here's, the, here's an important thing that you also haven't been told. You haven't been told this. People think Europe depends on Russia for energy because it lacks its own. But 15 years ago, get that, 15 years ago, Europe exported more natural gas, natural gas than Russia does today. Now Russia exports three times more gas than Europe producers. Why? Because climate activists partially funded by Russia blocked fracking. Get that. Europe is not in the position they are today because of Putin. They're in the position they are today because of communist-backed climate activists who are really anti-capitalist communists. Okay? That's a fact. So, you know, it's it's really clear that Americans understand this because 70% favor increased U.S. oil and gas production because Americans understand that it, it's, it is a national security interest and it's in their best personal interests. But the important thing that you, you know, in, was that last statement was that Russia... You know, basically using covert funding of U.S. anti-fuel groups made this happen. Russia caused Germany to give up their nuclear power plants, to not frack. England, England has all kinds of ability to frack. In northern England, 
They outruled it because of climate activists, don't you know? And this is all being exposed. And I read an article about England saying, hey, maybe we need to rethink net zero energy. Maybe we need to look at how our sovereignty, our economy, our way of life depends on fossil fuels and quit this nutty, you know, fantasy about electric cars and electric grids and windmills. Not that that isn't coming someday. And by the way, folks, hydrogen is really what's coming, not these lithium battery electric cars. But we're years away, decades away. Here's the truth about this investigation of Russian covert funding. And we firsthand, I don't even know if you guys, you know, if you've listened to our podcast for a really long time, you'll know that my home Portage County Tea Party in Northeast Ohio, when fracking started and the left immediately moved to stop it in New York and other states, they came to Ohio and tried to stop fracking. It poisons the water. You could light your faucet on fire. All this bogus, hocus pocus stuff. We were stunned, literally, by lawyers, like Washington, D.C. lawyers, coming to our township trustee meetings, trying to get them to stop fracking in our townships, in our county commissioners, in our counties, all over Ohio. And we're like, who are these people? And who's funding them? And what the hell's going on here? And we helped create, you know, with the, the movie Frack Nation. And, and, you know, we did hundreds of showings of that movie. We, you know, the Tea Party in Ohio organized and we saved fracking in our state. And it really saved our economy. But we knew that something was going on. And back then, I covered the story that there was, uh, that they were, they were literally, Funding it through the Russians. So here's your proof. This is from the Hill. The Hill. Just this this week. Okay. Here it is on, on March 1st. I'm sorry, March 1st. This is from the Hill. In 2014, the same year Russia annexed Crimea, then North Atlantic Treaty Organization Secretary General Anders Rasmussen warned that Russia was covertly working to undermine European and U.S. fossil fuel protection production. Three years later, in 2017, Representatives Lamar Smith and Randy Weber sent a letter to then-Secretary Steve Mnuchin making a similar accusation. Importantly, their letter connected some of the dots, highlighting Russia's covert efforts to fund various environmental organizations that were trying to limit or end U.S. hydraulic fracturing or fracking for shale gas oil. The media and Democrats mostly shrugged and their collective shoulders, their collective shoulders at these allegations. They were far too busy trying to prove the, and now, the now discredited Trump Russia, uh, election collusion to be bothered with a more plausible Russian environmental activist collusion, right? So the media and the Democrats are talking about a fake Russia, 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 while the Russians were actually attacking our country by trying to stop fracking. Okay. Maybe Russia's invasion of Ukraine will force those naysayers to reconsider the accusations as evidence and begin new investigations. According to The Guardian, Rasmussen, who was also a former prime minister of Denmark, claimed in a presentation to a think tank in London, I have met allies who can report that Russia, as part of their sophisticated information and disinformation operations, engaged actively with so-called NGOs, environmental organizations working against shale gas to maintain Europe's dependence on imported Russian gas. 
And the Smith-Weber letter wrote, uh, noted that Secretary, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton complained in a speech to a private audience in 2016, we were even up against phony environmental groups, and I'm a big environmentalist, but these groups were funded by the Russians. Smith and Weber asserted that the Russian government and complicit parties had a scheme that allowed money originating from foreign countries like Russia to funnel through Bermuda-based shell companies to environmental groups in the United States with the aim of disrupting the U.S. energy industry. They alleged that tens of millions of dollars were handled, handed to Bermuda-based Klein Limited, which then funneled the money to the Sea Change Foundation in San Francisco, which distributed the funds to various other nonprofits. Clearly, environmental groups had some success with their anti-fracking efforts. In New York, Washington, Maryland, they banned fracking. But in, in Europe, you know, never fully embraced it. This was paid for by the Russians. Who's at fault for Ukraine? This proves it's, it's the environmental cultists who aren't concerned about the environment, folks. Read the book, Apocalypse Never, okay? Just read the book. It's all a lie. None of this hocus-pocus, man-made global warming, all that's been disproven, okay? And yes, we can do some things to be better stewards of the earth, but it's not what they're selling because what they're really selling is anti-capitalism. Capitalism is funded, cannot happen without cheap, plentiful energy, nuclear, you know, gas, coal, you know, uh, oil, biofuels, you know, high, uh, hydro fuels, dams, all that. And because we've let these lunatics loose into our government, particularly here in the U.S. and then in Europe, we are now at war and our, our very way of life is in jeopardy. That's the truth. So you needed to know that. And this is the other thing you need to know. Everything that they're doing to Russia, they're going to do to you. They're going to do to me. They've been doing it to me. Globalists are using the George Floyd playbook to cancel Russia, and you're next. So all these companies, you know, Nike and MasterCard and, you know, McDonald's and Boeing and all, all these people are saying, well, we're going to stop doing business with Russia. We're going to cancel Russia. You know, Facebook and Twitter, we're going to, you know, keep there from being any uh, information, you know, the defending Russia or talking good about Russia on our social media platforms. Well, that's just the same playbook that they're using against us. Do you see this? Take note. It's just like what we said with Trudeau. What he did to the truckers, they will do here in the U.S. and they will do in Europe. They'll take your bank account. And, and so why do we have to fight this now? Why do we have to be careful now? Because, folks, think about it. They never let a crisis go to waste. And sometimes they create a crisis to achieve their goal. So we can't sell you on six to eight dollar gasoline through us limiting gasoline production because we would get blamed. The Democrats, the communists, you know, would get blamed. So what do we do? Well, we let this war raise gas prices to seven, eight dollars a gallon. You think they're ever coming down? You think they're ever coming down. Once they get up there, what are they going to do? 
Well, see, you you showed that you could could live this way. So we're just going to take more of your money and spend it on worthless windmills and foolish solar panels that are made by China with with minerals from Russia. Okay, and we're going to crush capitalism. That's the whole goal. That's why we got to fight them. And I'm going to talk to you at the end of the show about how the People's Convoy is the answer. But we we are fighting. What concerns me is that we are truly fighting the second American Revolution, as I talked to you last week, because, you know, as I said, King George was a tyrant. But that's nothing compared to the tyranny we're seeing in our country today. Okay? That's just reality. So we're fighting the second revolution, but now it looks to me like we're fighting World War III at the same time. That's a whole different basket of eggs. There's a whole situation going on with Russia and China joining up with Iran and Venezuela and Cuba to create this axis of evil like we had during the Cold War. But it could be a hot war, and it certainly could be an economic war, and it could be a bio-war like we just went through with China that we didn't respond to, didn't make them pay for. Every time they see what they can get away with, they see our weakness and they act on it. These are very serious times indeed. And before we go to the break, you know, you need to take account of who's with you and who's against you. And there was a poll that came out, a Quinnipiac poll this week, that asked people if America was invaded like Ukraine was, would you stay in the fight? And the poll's results were 55% of Americans say they'd stay in fight if the U.S. were invaded like Ukraine. That's pathetic. That's pathetic. 55%? Yeah. So... Are they Americans? I don't think so. I don't think those are Americans. And I got news for you, kids. Where the hell do you think you're going to go? Because if we get invaded and you don't stay and fight and America falls, wherever you go, you will be a slave. It's that simple. You're going to run into the hands of China. Bright, really bright idea. Where the hell do you think you're going to go, you damn cowards? Fortunately, 68% of Republicans said they would stay and fight. 68% of Republicans? I got news for you. The rest of those Republicans ain't Republicans, and they're not Americans. Cowards. Independents, 57% would stay, and 36% would flee. Democrats, 40% would stay and fight. 52% 52% would flee. should be embarrassed. This poll is embarrassing. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. And it shows how far we have fallen, how poorly our education system has been undermined, how poorly our education system has been run, and how much it's been undermined by communists that we let in our schools to educate our kids and destroy our nation. This is decades in coming, and we were asleep, and no one's going to save us but us. No one. That's the fact. No one. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. 
I'm glad you've been with us. I hope you enjoyed the first half of the show. We'll be back after this break. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. And my name is Tom Zawistowski. The We the People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We the People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We the People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. When you're playing a video, including our podcast, you'll see this little cloud button. And if you click it, it'll actually download the po- the video to your hard disk. And this works on our podcast page as well. If, you, if you're playing our podcast, and it's going to be loud, so I won't play it for much, but there's our podcast playing, and you can see this little you know download button, okay? The other thing you got to notice on our podcast page is that there's a link here where you can send me a message about this podcast. Hey, it was great. Hey, I didn't like it. What you know, something was wrong, or here's a correction, that kind of thing. You can use that link. And then these are the stories that I covered in this particular podcast. And you'll see there's links that go to the stories that to the articles that I used in reporting on that. So you can you can click on that. Um, you'll also see that um, you can sign up for our emails and text messages, but you can also watch our podcast on Roku TV and on Amazon Fire TV. And these are the instructions for doing that. So this is all on our, our podcast page, right? Right on the front page where the yellow button was. So if you click there, you know, this is our podcast page. These are the instructions for watching on Roku TV or Amazon Fire. And I watch our podcast on TV. It just feels more comfortable. Uh, so you can do that. We're also on Rumble. Uh, if you go to Rumble, uh, you should join Rumble. Uh, and, you know, it's Tom Z at WTPC. You'll see our podcast there. Um, we're also on uh, Brighteon which we just joined that. We just started adding our our videos there. So you can get us a lot of different ways, including on Apple iTunes. And then this is an audio uh, version of our podcast. If you click here, it'll just play the audio of the podcast. It will not, uh, you know, uh, know, show you the video. So people can, you know, listen to that while they're jogging or, you know, working out, working in the yard or just relaxing and just want to listen to the audio and not watch the video. And again, this is available on phone, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your computer, any way you want. And you can share you know, this, this, you know, whatever you see, if you're on a page that you, you know, you really like and, you know, you see an article that you think, geez, I've got to share this article, you know, with uh, someone in my family. You can send them an email by clicking on the little envelope. You can uh, post it on Parler or MeWe. If you click on this, you get all kinds of options, you know, where you can put it on Twitter or Facebook, whatever, which we don't support, but uh, you can do whatever you want. So, so we ask that you share what uh, you see on our We the People Convention site, and that um, you get more people to look at it, 
because uh, that's the whole idea here, to help uh, educate people, inform them. And then, as I said uh, before, Link, we're not just about talk, we're about action. And in my podcast every week, uh, which is published every Saturday, so if you, you know, the new podcast usually comes out every Saturday. And in that podcast, I will ask you to do certain things that will help protect and defend your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. So that's the We The People Convention website. Come back often, use it uh, to be informed, be informed, and uh, share it with others. Thanks a lot. All right. So thank you for watching the first half of the podcast. Again, as you saw in the video, uh, after I post this, I'll put links to the stories that we cover. You also can go back and watch things or, you know, when you when you go to look at the podcast, if you don't have the you know the, the time to watch it start to finish, go to the sections that interest you. Okay, the key is just to get the information out and for you to share this with people because I think there's things you're hearing here that you didn't you're not hearing anywhere else. That's and I say that and it's not just bluster. I mean seriously, I I'm looking for things and I don't hear them anywhere else, and that's why I bring them to you because they're important. Okay, so there's going to be some things like that in the second half, uh, and and just you know, no, you can jump ahead, you can go back. I, there's a there's a video on our website in the video section that talks about how you can consume social media and podcasts. You got to be careful not to move on to the next thing without pausing or it doesn't go from short-term memory into long-term memory. And that's the fault of these podcasts. You know, you go through this and I'm telling you all this stuff and then you can't remember any of it. So don't be afraid while you're watching this podcast, pause. Just, just pause for 10, 15 seconds. You just heard something that was really interesting to you or a piece of information you didn't get before. Stop. Hit the stop button, let it sink in, then go forward. Okay? This will help you retain things. And that's you know important. That's why we're sharing this information so you can retain them. Okay, so let's get after what else affects you, okay, and your family and your future in our country. Inflation rose 7.9% in February as food and energy costs push prices the highest in more than 40 years. That's a huge number, folks, and you're already seeing it at the gas pump, right? I mean, you know, they're in California, they're at $7.58. You know, here in Ohio, we're in mid $4, and that's just the start. It's going up unless we do something, okay, unless we do something. And, the, and Joe Biden and his administration is about propaganda. They're not about doing anything. All this time, this inflation's been going, you know, these numbers have been going since, you know, the second, third quarter of last year. And Janet Yellen would say, well, this inflation is trans, is, is temporary. It's transitory. Don't you know? It'll clear up after COVID, right? They haven't done a damn thing to control inflation. And I'll show you, I'll prove to you again how they're just making it worse. They, our government is at war with us. Not with Putin, with you and I. They are hurting us, our families, all right, our, 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 our savings, our property. That's what's going on here, and you need to be aware of it. So what happened this week? With inflation raging, Friday, 
you know, Congress passes this $1.5 trillion, trillion dollar omnibus spending bill. Omnibus, meaning that your senator didn't go through regular order. This is just throw all this crap in a can and let's just all pass it with the, the hook of there's $14 billion in humanitarian and military aid to war-torn Ukraine, don't you know? $14 billion, right? How much could that do for us in our country, for homeless veterans, for whatever? And so here's the problem. Lawmakers have been facing the latest in the series of shutdown uh, showdowns with government funding due to expire at midnight on Friday, meaning thousands of workers would have been sent home without pay. That's a damn lie. When there's a shutdown, government workers don't come in, but when they, they fund the government, they pay them all their back pay. It's a damned lie that they use over and over so that you will think, oh, we got to pass this, or these poor government workers who make way more than you do and have way better benefits than you will be out of work. It's a damn lie. We're keeping our promise to support Ukraine as they fight for their lives against the evil Vladimir Putin, Chuck Schumer said, the leader of the Senate Democrats, with nearly $1.4 billion in emergency aid. Get this, Congress approved more than double what the Biden regime was asking for. Because don't you know, we just are so wealthy. We have no debt. We got cash in the bank. So, yeah, let's, they wanted six or eight billion dollars. Let's give them 14 because, you know, we're just virtue signaling, right? With your tax dollars, with our grandchildren's money. How outrageous is that? Guess what else is in this damn bill? 4,400 earmarks. Earmarks. You know what earmarks are? Earmarks are pork. Earmarks are things that your congressman will come to you and say, look at what I got. This new bridge for our, our city or for our county or this new roads or this new hospital. See, aren't I doing a great job? You need to say, no, you're not. We're broke and you're spending our money when we're broke. Stop it. Government regularly, uh, funding regularly becomes a contentious issue in the United States. A significant number of Senate Republicans had sought to slow down the process, arguing that the Ukraine aid should be divorced from the larger funding package. Well, why wasn't it, folks? Because it was cover. Don't you know all you Americans are seeing these poor people being blown up on your TV, these heroic Ukrainians, you know, all the propaganda that's flowing into your, your mind. So, yeah. Yeah, you should pass $1.5 trillion in funding through to September. That's half a year, okay, funding, because there's $14 billion for Ukraine. Yeah, that's how dumb they think we are, and unfortunately, how dumb Democrats really are. But on this occasion, the Russia's war against Western-backed neighbor gave the process a new impetus, and the final outcome was a comfortable 68 to 31 vote in favor of the budget. A significant number of Republicans had, uh, you know, had sought to stop it, but they couldn't do it. Others argued they needed more time to assess the sweeping 2,700-page funding deal, which impacts every facet of federal government. So this is another one of these. They got 2,700 pages on, like, Wednesday and had the House had to vote for it on Wednesday, and the Senate had to vote for it on Thursday, and then Biden signed it, right? 2,700 pages of crap, of pork. So while we're 
in inflation, I just showed you, inflation was up to the highest level in 40 years. This, they gave themselves, the government, which they say is for us, don't you know, a 6% increase in spending. Now, Nan and I are on Social Security. And I know Social Security money was in this. But we didn't get a 6% raise, and we shouldn't. Where did the 6% go? Okay? The blueprint provides more than $780 billion in defense funding, an increase of 5.6% over last year, and a $730 billion uh, increase in non-defense cash, a 6.7% hike. So the Dems get 6.7% increase for their social programs, while the Republicans get settled for 5.6% increase for simply defense. What about our border? What about drilling? Why didn't the Republicans say, no, 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 no. You're not going to play this $14 billion for Ukraine is why we need to pass $1.5 trillion and we get nothing. We're not going to pass it. Let's shut down and make all those damn re- Democrat commie co- government workers sit on their ass, which they've been doing for two years anyway. Most of them haven't been coming into the office literally since COVID started, right? They're not doing anything. Have them keep sitting on their ass and shut the government down because this government's doing more harm than good. Shut it all down. Oh, no. Oh, no. But the uni party couldn't do that, could they? No, no. They couldn't do that. No money for the border, right? No no problem on the border for Republicans. No problem about protecting our border. You know what they did do? You know what they did in this thing? Yeah, let me read this to you. Omnibus legislation funds border security for eight foreign nations. How's that? Democrats, $1.5 trillion omnibus bill, and that's bullcrap. Democrats, no. Democrat and Republicans, $1.5 trillion omnibus legislation would provide funding for border security in eight foreign nations, many of whom are U.S. adversaries, while providing no new money for security along the U.S. border. The ominous measure allocates $370 million to enhance border security measures in Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, and Oman, of which $150 million alone is set to go toward border funding in Jordan. In addition, oh, I thought walls don't work, Democrats. I thought walls don't work. But the Jordan needs walls to protect from ISIS and Iran, right? In addition, the legislation provides funding for border security measures in Libya, Nepal, and Pakistan, a long-time U.S. advertising adversary. As a compromise, Republican lawmakers retained about $2 billion in previously allocated border wall construction funds. So they didn't get $2 billion new. There was $2 billion for the wall that they wanted to take out, okay? And they, the Republicans call a victory, not letting them take it out, but the Amish measure contains no new funds for border security along the U.S. southern border. Preston Hunikins, government relations manager at the nonpartisan Federation of American Immigration Reform, FAIR, blasted the measure in a statement to the Epoch Times. It is insulting to the American people that Democrats would rather secure the border of countries such as Oman, Pakistan, and Libya, while our own states on the border are overwhelmed with illegal immigrants. You think? You think? Yeah. But see, the whole Putin's evil is the cover story. Everything that Biden's doing wrong, inflation, high gas prices, the you know the border problem, 
you know, the stock market crash. All of that is Putin's fault, don't you know? But it's not. And they're trying to distract us from these issues that affect you and your family. And one of them is the border. So let me play this quick video, okay? So you can uh, see what's going on on the border. Hold on a second here. There it is, video. So here it goes. The border of Ukraine. So it seemed like a good moment to check in on our southern border. Fox's Bill Malugin has done better reporting on this question than anyone in media. He joins us tonight. How's it going down there, Bill? Not good, Tucker. Uh, fiscal year 2021, we all know, set the all-time record at our southern border with 1.7 million encounters with illegal immigrants. But so far this year, fiscal year 2022, it's already blowing those last year numbers completely out of the water. Take a look at this video given to me by a source in the Rio Grande Valley this week. What you're looking at is a group of illegal immigrant runners evading after they crossed illegally in Mission, Texas. Unclear if they were ever caught. Then what you're going to see here is a photo compilation of different incidents on different Border Patrol sectors all over our southern border. Different parts. Del Rio sector, Big Bend sector, Tucson, Arizona sector. Large groups of illegal immigrants being apprehended and arrested by Border Patrol. Single adults, families, and runners dressed in camouflage, actively trying to get away. Then we talk about the criminal elements. Take a look at this mugshot right here. Del Rio sector border agents reporting yesterday. They arrested this convicted murderer from El Salvador. His victim was an eight-month-old baby. He was arrested near Brackettville, Texas. Then circling back to the huge numbers I want to talk about, a DHS source telling me that just since October 1st, just in the Rio Grande Valley sector alone, Border Patrol has already encountered nearly 212,000 illegal immigrants. That is a 92% increase over the same time last year. They've encountered almost 31,000 unaccompanied minors. That's up 185%. And they've encountered almost 67,000 family units. That is a 206% increase. And again, we're only talking about one of the nine Border Patrol sectors at our southern border. Then let's take a look at the bigger picture nationwide. This year, as I mentioned, crushing last year's numbers. In fiscal year 2021, between October and January, there were just under 297,000 illegal immigrants encountered at our southern border border. This fiscal year, between October and January, there have already been nearly 673,000 encounters with illegal immigrants. That's more than double last year at the same time. It's a 126% increase, and we've not even gotten to the busy springtime months yet. And Tucker, perhaps most concerning about all of this, a very high-level DHS source tells me that just since October 1st, there have already been more than 220,000 known gotaways at our border. Those are people that Border Patrol maybe see on cameras or sensors, but they just don't have the manpower to get to. So we're talking nearly a quarter million people who have snuck past our border in just over four months. I'll send it back to you. Yeah. If that doesn't make you angry, I don't know what will, folks. That's an invasion. That's not caring for people who need, you know, to, you know, asylum. This is an invasion by the commie left of our nation. And we're doing nothing to stop it, Republicans. Hey, Governor Abbott in Texas, you just ran a, won a huge primary victory to be reelected as governor on the premise that you were going to finish the wall and stop this. What the hell is going on? We cannot sustain this, folks. We can't have this going for four years, three more years. You can't do it. We have the largest illegal population in the U.S. in U.S. history. 
There, there is now 46 million. Do you remember back when Trump was elected? It was 30 million illegals was the guesstimate. Now it's 46 million. They're 14% of the U.S. population. You know why? Because they want America to disappear. They want us to just, we're a nation without borders, don't you know? We're part of the world government, one world government. This is how you do it. We have to address this, and I will be addressing this at the end of this podcast, because we are going to have to address this. But it's worse. It's, it's even worse than that. Rising number of illegal immigrants hardened criminals crossing the U.S. With a record number of illegal immigrants allowed in the United States, there is a growing number of hardened criminals who were already convicted of violent crimes prior to their arrival here. Tens of thousands of such foreigners have crossed the southern border from Mexico in recent years, according to Customs and Border Protection statistics, with a notable acceleration during President Joe Biden's first year in office. U.S. border officials tracked the number of people who crossed the border illegally who have findable criminal records either in the U.S., or in a country that shares this information. So these are people who didn't come and who didn't come and just commit a crime. Okay. They didn't come here and commit a crime. They'd already committed crimes in the U.S. or in foreign countries that we know of. And we're not stopping them. Here's a chart that shows you assault and batteries from two, in 2020. There were 208 illegal immigrants who committed that 1,178 in 2021. Burglaries and robberies, 143 in 2020, 825 in 2021. Uh, you know, sexual offenses, 156 in 2020, 488 in 2021. Uh, illegal drug possession, trafficking, 386 uh, arrests versus 2,138. This doesn't even really talk about, you know, people just blow off the sex trafficking and the illegal drugs. Like, there's nothing to see here. Do you know that fentanyl? is the leading killer in the United States of Americans 18 to 35 or 36 or whatever it is. They're killing our kids. And we're letting them. Why? Under, under what reason? No reason. The only reason is no one has the guts to stop this. That's the only reason. This is illegal. They're breaking the law. And, and, and you know, here's the rest of this article. The Biden administration has taken no publicly announced steps to stem the flow of illegal traffic across the U.S. southern border. And Homeland, Sec Security, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who's a total lefty communist, has defended the administration's lack of border enforcement by saying sometimes the tools of deference defied values and principles for which we all stand and claiming that the border policy today is more consistent with our values than it was under President Trump. I don't give a damn about your values, Mayorka. There's a thing called the rule of law. The law says these people are illegal and your job under the law is to keep them out and you are a criminal and you should be charged. And that's what we're going to use to impeach Joe Biden next January. And we're going to impeach Kamala Harris. And then we're going to go after all of you because you're criminals. You hate America and you're trying to destroy it. That's not my opinion. That's a fact. And here's some more facts for you as Joe Biden you know, just lies about your know, gas prices. This was just embarrassing. So when Biden announces that he's going to 
stop buying the, the oil from Russia, he doesn't announce that we already cut a deal with Saudi Arabia, who, by the way, won't answer his phone calls, or we already cut a deal with Iran, who now is, is you know, upset because the Iran nuke talks have failed, which I'll talk to you about next, or we now have a deal with Venezuela, who Russia controls their oil and said, Putin said, oh yeah, good luck with that. See how those negotiations go. No, when he cuts off the oil, he doesn't have a deal to replace it, and he doesn't say, and I'm going to open up America's oil and gas drilling and energy production for national security reasons and for the good of the world and to defeat Russia. No, he says, I'm going, it's, prices are going to go up. I can't do much right now. Russia is responsible. Russia is responsible. The man looked right into your face and lied right to you. Right to your face. Because here's a chart, folks. Facts don't lie. I don't lie. You don't lie. Joe Biden lies. The left lies. The media lies. Here's a chart. 18-month average retail price for gasoline. You can see when Biden was elected, all right, elected, sorry, sworn in as dictator of the regime, when he was sworn in, where gas prices were like at $2.40, and now where they are. And you can see it was up, 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 up before Putin ever did anything. It's a lie. Most people recognize the lie, but some of your friends and relatives Maybe buying the bull crap. Don't let them show them this chart. Okay? Don't let them. So, what else is going on that affects you? We've talked about inflation. We've talked about illegal immigration. We've talked about how they're killing our kids. The illegal immigration is killing jobs. Well, what else is going on? The stock market. Stock market today. Stocks down. Cement another week of losses. Because, guess what? War and oil shortages and inflation aren't good for stocks. That's your money. That's your 401k. Look at this chart, folks. This chart is for one day. The uh, The NASDAQ was down 2.18% in a day. This is on March 11th. And all the other indexes were down. The Dow Jones suffered a, you know, a losses for the fifth straight week. Okay, fifth straight week of losses. This hurts you. This is your money in your 401ks, right? All the big guys on Wall Street, they're protecting themselves. They're moving their money. They're buying gold mines and stuff. Your 401k is getting clobbered. That's your money that they're taking from you with their incompetence and willful you know, attacks on our sovereignty, on our government. So... Just have the full picture. This is an attack on you. Our government is at war with the American people as much and more so than King George and Britain was with our forefathers, the colonists, in the Revolutionary War. And we're going to fight back, and I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute. But let's get on to some other stuff that you know is important for you to know and be able to tell other people. So, election fraud. Wisconsin special counsel finds massive election interference. No, tell me it's not so. Well, guess what? 
In uh, the March 2001-2022 uh, report by Wisconsin Officers of Special Counsel does not make for boring bedtime reading. Every American who voted in 2020 should read it. Take, for example, the following paragraph. The OSC learned that, this is the Office of Special Counsel in Wisconsin, learned that all machines in Green Bay were ESS machines, that's the manufacturer, voting machines, and were connected to a secret hidden Wi-Fi access point at the Grand Hyatt Hotel, which was the location used by the city of Green Bay on the day of the 2020 presidential election. The OCS discovered the Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi machines and ballots were controlled by a single individual who is not a government employee, but an agent of a special interest group operating in Wisconsin, paid for by Mark Zuckerberg. Okay? So one guy hidden at the Grand Hyatt, Grand Hyatt Hotel controlled Green Bay's election from one room. His name was Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, and he's a lawyer from Brooklyn. And he controlled the ballots, but nothing to see here. And oh yeah, none of these machines are connected to the internet. This is a special counsel, folks. This isn't some Trump supporter making crazy claims, quote unquote. This is what he found, but it gets worse. The OCS began a comprehensive investigation of voting machines. As part of that investigation, subpoenas were sent to Dominion, ESS, and Command Central LLC, a Dominion reseller and servicer. The information sought included information about who, when, where, and what updates to machines were provided. The OCS learned that one machine company represented stated that the voting machines were wiped during updates, meaning that they did not retain federally required voter data. On purpose. Why would you do that? How could you be an election company that has to go through certification, right? That you have to be approved as an election voting machine and not know the federal law that says you have to keep all records for like 24 months. It's a felony, don't you know? Yeah, they wiped it intentionally. Um, it was discovered that Command Central LLC received images of cast ballots on election night using the internet. Command Central is alleged to be holding actual ballots cast on election night at its offices in Minnesota in violation of Wisconsin law. The OCS was not able to complete this portion of its investigation. As of the date of this report, the voting machine companies have refused to comply with the OCS um, legislative subpoenas and have provided no data. The OCS considers this investigation incomplete but ongoing. Oh, but geez, A.G. Barr, you saw no election fraud. And there's no reason, you know, how the, the FBI and the DOJ goes into North Carolina and Texas and Mississippi and wants to say, you know, we've got to step in and because these election laws are, are uh, you know, are racist or violate, you know, some uh, Civil Rights Act or something. But you're not going in to Wisconsin, and you're not arresting these these CEOs of these companies and saying, no, 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 you will answer the subpoena. No, no, that's not happening. No, but it's we're the ones who are, it's the big lie, right? The OCS also sought information about the machines in Wisconsin used on election night from the clerks. The clerks in the boards of elections either did not possess the data sought by the OCS, meaning they gave control. Their legal duty was to control the election. They gave that control to outside political activists paid for by Mike Zuckerberg. 
they should go to prison, okay, uh, either did not possess the data or refused to provide it, with Green Bay and Madison insinuating that provide, now get this, providing secure voting machine data to the, uh, the office of, uh, of the special counsel would somehow compromise election integrity. In other words, these cities claim that it is impossible to verify the integrity of the voting machines because doing that would jeopardize the integrity of both the machines and future elections. Hogwash. Horse hockey. This is just, just the evidence just keeps mounting. Okay? And so let me go to this story. For uh, This is from Voter GA. Voter, G, George, Voter GA is the group pursuing the election fraud in Voter uh, in Georgia. Announced at a press conference today, a 15-point, this is March 7th, analysis that documents clear, irrefutable evidence of how the November 2020 Fulton County election results were electronically manipulated. The analysis was based on a year-long study of ballot images conducted by an expert-laden volunteer research team. The ballot images search research was made possible last year when the Georgia legislature passed Senate Bill 202, which made ballot images public records. The ballot images were collected statewide by Voter GA Open Records Request Team. The 15-point analysis can be verified through public ballot images at gaballots.com or other sites founding the following problems at Fulton County. I, I, I won't give them all to you, okay? But remember, Biden supposedly won Georgia by 11,779 votes. And the Senate seats were decided by margins like that. Here's what they found in Fulton County, one Georgia county. 17,724 final certified Fulton votes have no ballot images. How could they have voted when they have no copy of the ballot? All 374,128 in-person ballot images for the original count are missing. You're supposed to keep this for 24 months. It's a federal law. 374,128 in-person ballot images are missing. 132,284 mail-in ballot images, ballot images are missing their authentication files. 4,000-plus tabulator images have impossible duplicate timestamps. 104,994 image files in 1,096 batches have impossible duplicate timestamps. All ballot batches were improperly forced to adjudicate to facilitate tampering. It's, it's clear. Fulton County, that's the place where they said, oh, we have a water leak. We're closing down. Get out. And then when everybody left, they pulled those boxes out from under the table. Oh, but the mainstream media said, that's a big lie. Like, you didn't see those boxes. Those weren't really ballots. They weren't running them through the machines. No, 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 nothing to see here. Yeah, we saw with our own eyes. We saw. And so you need to go to wethepeopleconvention.org to read that story, okay? But also, I posted a story that was really good by Just the News. It's Just the News lists 20 cases of election irregularities. Sorry about that. The destruction of the big lie narrative continues as more voter fraud found. After the 2020 election ended with President Trump supposedly defeated, the Federal Cybersecurity Agency declared it was a perfectly secure vote. Months later, federal prosecutors admitted two Iranian nationals hacked into a state's database and stole the identities of 100,000 voters in an effort to influence the election. Okay, that's a fact. Likewise, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers declared it was outrageous to think a state's 2020 election needed to be investigated. 
which we just talked about, right? Now two separate courts have concluded that state election regulators illegally changed rules, allowing tens of thousands to cast ballots in an unlawful manner in a state that Trump barely lost. And that uh, probe, uh, ever so stubborn resisted, uh, just provided evidence of fraudulent voter collecting operations that exploited vulnerable residents in nursing homes. That was another story, that these vote nursing homes where people were incapable of voting had 100% voting. Anyway, we talked about Georgia, uh, Arizona, one of the first states to move to no-excuse mail-in voting years ago, has now begun an urgent effort to return to traditional in-person voting with paper ballots after investigations called into question more than 50,000 ballots cast in the November 22 election and tens of thousands more where verification uh, signatures were not verified. Again, in a state, Trump barely lost. The bottom line is, in this article, okay, and you can look at it under, you know, go to the search, little eyeglass on our front page, you know, it's the search menu, uh, search on just the news or election irregularities, can't say that word for some reason, and the destruction of the big lie narrative, or you can just click on articles and it'll show you all our articles and scroll down until you see the one about the big lie. What's important is that just the news lists 20 different cases of proof of election fraud, 20 different ones. And so we're winning. We're winning this fight to prove, and we're changing laws, and we're going to get some criminal prosecution. But the, the narrative of the big lie is that, you know, Trump didn't lose the election. The big lie is that the media lied to you, and it's true that the election was stolen. And, and here's, a, here's another case. I got to just bring you one last thing on, on, uh, voter, you know, election fraud and all that. Uh, some of you may have remembered at the, the big event that, uh, Mike Lindell had, uh, where there was this, uh, clerk from Colorado who was going to testify about election fraud. And right before she came on, she was threatened. Like the FBI broke into her office and her house and she, they delayed the broadcast for a little bit until she came on. Well, her name was Tina Peters. Okay. And so this week she was arrested. In what looks like political intimidation, Colorado's Tina Peters and Belinda Nisley were jailed after releasing election audit showing Dominion voting machines were connected to the internet. Well, don't you know? The Mesa County, Colorado clerk, Tina Peters, turned herself in after being indicted on several felony counts stemming from her investigation into fraud in the 2020 elections, including the role played by Denver-based Dominion voting systems. After a grand jury indicted her, Peters turned herself on Wednesday. Her bond was set at $500,000. Okay? Peters is running this year to unseat Democrat Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold, who basically said, we're not going to have any audits in Colorado. Nothing to see here. Okay? So this woman, the Secretary of State, is, is pushing these false charges against, I think they're false charges, against Tina Peters because there was election fraud and she's running for Secretary of State against her. Peters is running this year to unseat her. Um, and, and Griswold, no surprise, is backed by who? Who do you think? George Soros. If Peters is successful, she would be the state's top election official, which would be justice. Peters, in March, in a March 1st letter to the Board of County Commissioners, delivered a forensic analysis of the internet-connected uh, Dominion voting equipment, which she termed uncertifiable. In a forensic analysis of the images of the Dominion system drive, cybersecurity experts found the system was found to contain 36 wireless devices and was configured to allow any computer in the world to connect to the Mesa County's election system server. 
The analysts also found uncertified software that had been illegally installed in the system servers, Peters noted. Okay, and they list uh, in our story. It lists that if you go to you know uh, this you know this page on our website, you can see all the things that they showed in their audit. Former law professor uh, David Clemens wrote in a Telegram post: "It's unreal. The Colorado Secretary of State and her county vote trafficking traffickers subvert the election, and on and the only honest clerk in the state is indicted." Joe Oltman, a Denver-based businessman who exposed claims about the 2020 election by a Dominion voting system executive. Now, this Oltman guy was the guy who was on the conference call where the Dominion head of security said, I promise you Trump won't win. We won't let him win. Okay, that's who this guy is. Said in a Telegram post, County Clerk of Mesa County, County, Tina Peters and Belinda Kinsley is in jail tonight. The bail was set at five hundred thousand for a gold star mom. Where are we, men? These pieces of trash who have manipulated and weaponized the legal process need to pay five hundred thousand dollars because she exposed the fraudulent election in twenty twenty. We're growing close to having to throw them all out. Peters in a statement called the indictment politically motivated and vowed she would not abandon her bid to become Secretary of State to cite calls from state Republicans to do so. Yeah, we need to support her efforts to do so. So that's the election fraud, you know, landscape. There's some other stories out there and stuff, but, um, you know, the bottom line is the fight continues uh, and literally with people risking their lives. And uh, Tina Peters is a patriot from my viewpoint. She saw what she saw. The, uh, the the security, cybersecurity people saw what they saw on those servers. They aren't making it up. Why would they? All right. A couple things on COVID. Don't want to go too deep into this because I'm not sure about some of this. Dr. Peter McCullough uh, said, findings from early COVID-19 vaccine studies are potentially alarming. And this has to do with this study that was conducted um in, uh, let's see, I think it was Sweden. He recalled the results of a newly released study disturbing. The study titled Immune Imprinting, Breath of Variant Recognition, and Germinal Center Response in Human SARS-CoV-2 Infection and Vaccination shows that messenger mRNA from the vaccine stays in the body much longer than expected. Messenger RNA is a single-stranded molecule that carries genetic code, usually from the DNA in a cell's nucleus to ribosomes, the cell's protein-making area. It shows, this study shows, the messenger RNA is in the lymph nodes months after the vaccination had been received. This is proven, McCullough said. The vaccines are not leaving the body. If found in the lymph nodes at 60 days, so that's the proof. The thought is that the FDA briefing book was that these vaccines were going to be in the body for a day or two, generate immunity, and then be out. That does not look to be the case. He cited another paper published in February by a team of researchers led by uh, Professor Yang Dimarinus at the Center uh, Department of Clinical Science of Lund University in Sweden that shows reverse transcription is happening. That is, an enzyme makes a copy of DNA from the RNA. This is getting into human chromosomes, at least this segment is. If it turns out that the entire code goes into human chromosomes, and if it expresses spike proteins within the cells, then uh, this is going to be a real problem, and we're in trouble. Now, I don't know if this has been peer-reviewed or, or covered, but this is why you need debate. This is why you need a free speech. You need the, the right to question. Prove Dr. McCullough wrong. 
That's all I'm asking. But if you can't prove him wrong and this stuff is in you and is changing your DNA, you sure as hell need to tell us about it. That's where this thing is all broken down, right? It's all broken down because the whole process of the, you know, the scientific method, and I'm going to talk about that in a crazy story about mosquitoes in a minute, is that you, you conduct studies and you prove your point. You don't just wave a wand and it's true. But that's what's we've been happening, and that's why we're in so much bloody trouble. And we are in bloody trouble. So this story is on our website. And again, this is really disturbing because it's not just our enemies who are lying to us and manipulating this. It's it's our friends. Like we just talked about the Republicans who were all over this, you know, six percent increase in, in, in our one point five trillion dollar spending program, right? Those are supposed to be the people on our side who betrayed us. Well, look at this story. Fox and Newsmax took money from feds to promote vaccines. Okay? Now, again, I know a lot of you don't watch Fox anymore. I get it. Okay? And 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 I I really watch it sparingly. But I do watch Tucker Carlson because he's, he's fighting the fight. He's on the cutting edge. Okay? And, and, and he's, what he says is important. But I do watch Newsmax. I watch One America News. But I also watch a lot of podcasts, you know, like Dan Bongino, like uh, Steve Bannon's War Room, um, you know, Ben Shapiro, Dennis Prager, you know, stuff like that. Okay. But here's the disappointing part. Fox, you know, two days ago, Chris Pandolfo of Blaze Media revealed that his media organization filed FOIA requests regarding the Biden administration's covert funding of the deadly new vaccines and the American corporate media. What they discovered will certainly shock you, and it's a critical story that our corrupt media will work hard to make the least covered and least discussed news story of the years. What did Pandolfo find? He discovered that nearly the entire corporate media took money from the Biden administration to push the vaccines to their audiences without disclosing it. More importantly, so-called conservative media organizations took money from the Biden administration to spin positive stories about deadly and ineffective vaccines to their conservative viewers who were right to be suspicious, and they did not disclose it. Fox took the money and said nothing to its conservative viewers. Newsmax took the money and said nothing to its conservative viewers. In response to a FOIA request filed by The Blaze, HSS revealed that it purchased advertising from major news networks, including ABC, CBS, NBC, all of them, the New York Post, the Los Angeles Times, and uh, Washington Post, digital media companies like BuzzFeed News and Newsback, and hundreds of local newspapers and TV stations. These outlets were collectively responsible for publishing countless articles and video segments regarding the vaccines that were nearly uniformly positive about the vaccine in terms of both its efficacy and safety. This is the largest and most comprehensive breach of journalistic ethics that has ever occurred. Almost everyone took the money. Almost everyone lied about the vaccines, knowingly or unknowingly. Almost everyone refused to report anything negative about the vaccines because they were paid to close their eyes. Almost everyone is implicated. Now, we're not dumb. We saw these ads. We knew that they were paid for by the federal government. What what we didn't know is that like Newsmax's CEO wrote an op-ed just singing the praises of the vaccine. Okay. What we didn't know is Fox News never did a story that says, listen, we get this money from the government to run these ads, but there's a firewall between our ad department 
and our editorial and our news department. They never said that. And what this FOIA suggests is that this these dollars influenced the editorial side, influenced the stories that they covered. And see, this was the thing that bothered me most when, when COVID broke out because I tried to buy billboards. I tried to buy radio commercials about to, to, to argue against the lies, the things that were just clearly not true. Like, where is your study of masks? Where is the study of how six feet apart will help you, you not get the virus when that was written by a high school student in a paper? I tried to run ads. I was not allowed to buy them. I was not allowed to buy them. That's communism. That's propaganda. That's what Putin's doing to his people in Russia right now. You can't get any story from the Ukraine perspective in Russia right now. But you can't get that anything other than, you know, Putin bad, you know, Ukraine good, you know, let's go to World War III in the U.S. right now. But to have conservative groups do this is particularly egregious. So again, we see the deceit. How do you get truth when people are taking the money? I told you, I told you a few weeks ago about the only reason that I can be here talking to you the way I do and sharing the truth as I know it is because I won't take the bribe. They tried to bribe me for over a decade. And lots of people take the bribe. It's hard not to take the bribe. Someone offers you a million dollars to lie. But do you care about your country? Do you care about truth? How strong are you morally? Are you driven by money? Are you driven by, by your faith and by your belief in God and a heaven and an afterlife? What drives you? The people who do this are driven by the wrong things, and they're evil. They're just absolutely evil. And, and speaking of evil, you know, Biden is still trying to pursue a, a, a deal with Iran. And this is how insanely incompetent and stupid they are. Okay? They're, they're trying to get a deal with Iran where they basically give them the ability to build a nuclear weapon, which Iran wants to use not just against Israel and not just against the United States, but they want to use this against Saudi Arabia, okay, and the other Islamic countries in the region that don't believe like they do, right? The Shia Shiite thing, okay? And so while you're doing this, you're picking up the phone and trying to call Saudi Arabia and saying we need you to make up the difference in oil and gas? What a moron. So there was a story that said Saudi Arabia won't return Joe Biden's calls. Duh. Fortunately, these uh, you know, these these talks have collapsed because Russia, you know, the uh, Blinken said Tuesday that Russia remains engaged in efforts. Again, we're using Russia to negotiate with Iran on our behalf. Right. Brilliant. Uh, Blinken, Secretary of State, uh, told us on Tuesday, said Russia remains engaged in efforts to salvage the Iran nuclear deal, which has fallen apart. Knowing they said that Moscow's self-interest is preventing Tehran, Tehran from obtaining nuclear weapons. No, it's not. The comments come after Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov created uncertainty around the deal when he said Moscow wanted a written U.S. guarantee that its trade, investment, and military technical cooperation with Iran would not be hindered by Western sanctions imposed since an invasion. Ukraine. So you get that? 
Okay, the Russians are using the negotiations with Iran, which we shouldn't even be having, right? We should be stopping Iran from getting nuclear weapons. Instead, we're helping them and no one is stopping this, right? But some congressmen did speak out. Uh, Republican senator slammed Biden for working with Russia on our Iran deal during Ukraine invasion, calling it insane. And of course, it's Ted Cruz. It's always Ted Cruz or Rand Paul, okay, or Tom Cotton. But where are the rest of them? Where's, where's Rob Portman from Ohio, right? Nowhere. He's the uniparty. He, he, he hates America. He hates middle-class people, right? Because he's an elitist. He's a country club Republican. This Iran deal, if and when it is announced, will be a massive win for Vladimir Putin, Texas uh, Congressman or Senator Cruz said during a press conference while flanked by several fellow Republican senators. Because the Biden administration has been eager to tell Putin and tell the Ayatollah, of course, we will have a carve-out for the Iran deal on Russian sanctions, which means Putin will make billions in oil and gas transactions, in nuclear transactions, and in weapons transactions. Is that bad enough deal for you? And then Biden can't even get that done. He's such a failure. He can't even get this stupid, wrong-headed, you know, Iran deal done. Unbelievable. So then we go to the social side of things, right, where we're under attack. And you know that in Florida, they passed a law that said schools, teachers or administrators in schools cannot discuss sexual material or gender material with children in kindergarten through third grade. Now, our question is, why isn't it like kindergarten through 12th grade? Because what the hell right do you have as a school to talk to my kid about anything sexual? Where did that come from? But this went from kindergarten to third grade. These are like, I don't know, six-year-olds or something? And this was the don't say gay bill that the left tried to make out that DeSantis just slammed them on. So Disney, which is woke as a joke and owned by the communist CCP, okay, goes on bended knee to China because they make billions in the Chinese market, right? They're going to act as an agent of China to sow chaos in our country by attacking our children with immoral indoctrination. Ron DeSantis just lights them up, just takes them out, okay? And this is what you should see everywhere, but you're not seeing it everywhere. So here's what he said. On Wednesday, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida met with Disney CEO Bob Chapek over the phone after the latter requested a meeting to discuss the parental rights and education bill that recently passed in Florida. The media and the left at large have been hyperventilating over it because it dares to stop teachers from discussing gender ideology and sexuality with small children. What kind of perverts are you? What kind of perverts are you? So, DeSantis sent out a tweet saying, Companies that have made a fortune catering to families should understand that parents don't want this injected into their kids' kindergarten classroom. Our policies will be based on the best interests of Florida citizens, not the musings of woke corporations. He said of Disney, how do they possibly explain lining their pockets with their relationship with Communist Party of China? Because that's what they do, and they make a fortune, and they don't say a word about the really brutal practices at the hands of the Communist Party where they enslaved the Uyghurs and people like that, right? 
calling it out for what they are because the LBTQRSTLMOZ, you know, people at Disney said their CEO didn't fight this bill hard enough. We give money to politicians in, in Florida and we should have made them strike this bill down. Really? Really? That's what a corporation like Disney, whose audience is children, should spend their political capital to hurt children. Wow. So there's a video that came to my attention. I don't know much about this. It's called, Whose Children Are They? And it's kind of like one of these Dinesh D'Souza things, though I don't even know who put this out. I heard about it from a Freedom uh, a Freedom Works conference call. The movie is called Whose Children Are They? Exposing the Hidden Agenda in America's Schools. And you can go to whosechildrenarethey.com website and get tickets. They're going to have a one-day showing on Monday, March 14th, in select theaters. So if you go to whosechildrenarethey.com, you will get to, you know, buy tickets or find out the theater near you and they have group tickets and everything out. So here's what it says about uh, the, this movie. Um, it is a groundbreaking and powerfully persuasive documentary featuring brave teachers, empowered parents, and frontline experts who pulled back the curtain about what is truly happening in our public schools today. This film will be the starting point for a full cultural conversation about the need to return to the original intent of education, not indoctrination. Whose children are they will inform and equip parents, teachers, grandparents, and concerned citizens to partner together for the innocence and well-being of our children. So whose children are they? It's Monday the 14th. You can go and watch it at a theater near you. I, I, I think it'll be good. I have no reason to think it won't be good. But it's good that somebody took action to kind of document this so you can share it because eventually... It'll come out where we can stream it and you can share it with people to let people know what's going on. Okay, now, uh, this story is really disturbing. And I, I just, again, you know, speaking of Florida and Ron DeSantis, genetically modified mosquitoes set to be released in California and Florida. This is a real story, folks. I'm not making it up. Millions of genetically modified mosquitoes are set to be released in California and Florida in an effort to reduce the number of real disease-carrying invasive mosquitoes. Well, you know, I'm for getting rid of mosquitoes, right? I try to look up online what is the benefit of mosquitoes. They actually do have some benefit. They help spread pollen. All of them don't bite humans, that kind of stuff. But anyway... We don't like mosquitoes. Uh, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency on Monday approved use of the genetically engineered insects in a pilot project, specifically uh, in districts across both states. The mosquitoes were made by the U.K.-based biotechnology firm Oxitec, which is funded by, guess who, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. In an effort to combat insect-borne diseases such as dengue fever, yellow fever, and the Zika virus, according to Oxitec, its sustainable and targeted biological pest control technology does not harm beneficial insects like bees and butterflies and is proven to control the disease transmitting uh, whatever it is, mosquito, a certain type of mosquito, which has invaded communities in Florida, California, and other states. Okay? So, okay, you know, I can follow that far. The upcoming release of the modified insects will be the largest release in world history. However, critics, including scientists, Public health experts and environmental groups are concerned about what impacts releasing the genetically altered mosquitoes could have on public health as well as the environment. This is a destructive move that is dangerous for public health, 
Dana Pearls, Food and Technology Program Manager with Friends of the Earth, an environmental advocacy organization, told USA Today, who I normally would not agree with. But here's the, the key question. Pearl said her biggest concern was the lack of widespread peer-reviewed scientific data regarding the genetically modified insects and the potential risk they could bring. Once you release these mosquitoes into the environment, you cannot recall them, she said. This could, in fact, create problems that we don't already have. You think? You think? Are you telling me you're going to release millions of genetically modified mosquitoes into Florida and California and you have not done peer-reviewed scientific studies to figure out if this is safe? You haven't created like a giant glass cage with you know, vegetation in it and stuff that mosquitoes like and released them and studied it for like a year or two to see what happens? You're just going to release them? Ever heard of the scientific method? Doesn't this sound like COVID? Let's just get emergency authorizations from some government agency that's complicit, and let's just release these, and let's see what happens. What, what could go wrong? You ever see the movie Jurassic Park? Whew. Stop these fools. Somebody stop these fools. Please. Speaking of fools, it was with great joy that we all saw this complete fool, Jesse Smollett, and and you're gonna, you know, his name has, as the judge says, has become a verb. He's, you know, he, it, you're, he's, it's used to mock people. He was sentenced to six months in jail, and he has to pay $120,000 back to the city of Chicago because of their uh, the losses they faced from the investigation into this fraud. And this narcissistic liar, you know, gets up and and says he's innocent. And he's, he's afraid he's going to be like Jeffrey Epstein because it's all about him, you know, and he's, he's afraid he's going to get killed in jail because he's so important that people would want to kill him. Nobody gives a damn about you, Jesse Smollett. You're a nobody who's gotten uh, his wherever he's gotten in life by being a grifter and claiming because he's black and gay that he's a victim, okay? And the judge called it out. It was great. I can't read you the whole thing. It turns out you're not the victim of a hate crime. You're not the victim of a racial hate crime. You're not a victim of a homophobic hate crime. You're just a charlatan pretending to be a victim of a hate crime. And that's shameful, especially from the family you were brought up with, with your family values. It's so sad. Your name has become an adverb for lying, and I cannot imagine what can be worse than that. You're the butt of jokes. Comedians, mainstream talk show hosts, they make jokes about you. They do sketches about you. I can't imagine anything worse than that, okay? but and So the judge was great in doing that until he gets to this point because there were letters from Black Lives Matter and Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow Coalition and, and Al Sharpton saying, go soft on him. Jesse's a good guy. And he says, I grow, I agree. The judge says, I agree with what was told to me today. You can't judge everybody one bad thing that they've done in their life. I'm mindful of the pleas for mercy, particularly from people that are in the arena of dealing with social justice issues that are seriously fighting, not playing around, not doing games like you were doing, but seriously fighting for matters involving hate crimes of all sorts 
and they're asking for me to give you mercy. Judge, this shows you how woke and how wrong we are as a society. This dumbass judge uh, has no knowledge about Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson creating hoax. Remember the the uh, the Duke Lacrosse rape case? Remember that? Where's a complete lie? And they went to town just like Jesse Smollett. And Black Lives Matter. Ever hear of George Floyd? Ever hear of uh, you know hands up, don't shoot? This damn judge says they're serious about fighting you know uh, racial and social injustice. Guess what, clowns? Guess what, judge? Guess what, Jesse? Guess what, your your virtue signaling family? You're all a bunch of damn liars. There is no racial problem in the United States. You are not victims at all. You are given privilege. You are privileged. We all know it. Americans all know it. It's just you dumbass college indoctrinated fools who think it's true because you have a mind of mush. So that was worth seeing because, yeah, maybe some people won't try to fake hate crimes. I just saw another one this week. A black person was was arrested for doing a hate crime on black people, right? So it's time for things like this, Truth Social. You guys you know, know that we're on Gab and MeWe and, and, and Getter and Locals and all that at the end of our emails. And if you don't get our emails, go to wethepeopleconvention.org and on the front page, give us your email address and your phone number so we can text you our emails and all that. But um, Truth Social is Trump's social media thing that we're all supposed to get involved with once it's up and running. Now, I signed up. You can only do it on a phone app. It's not available uh, on your computer. So it's a phone app. I downloaded it on Friday, figured it's time for me to you know, open up a, a place there. And I was like the 1,300,000th person to download it and sign up for an account. And so my account isn't active yet because they're just taking their time processing this because they don't want to crash their system. They're building it out. But there are people like Dan Mangino and stuff who are on it. and. Um, and it's going well. While the media on the left is trying to say, you know, this is, you know, it's not going to be a big deal. Uh, from what I can understand, it's pretty well constructed and it's going to be a place where we can talk without being censored. So we'll see how that develops. But I wanted you to know about that. All right. Time to get ready to close the program. But I've got some things I got to talk to you about that are really not easy for me to talk to you about. I told you throughout this show that we the people are going to have to take action to defend ourselves. And I told you that I'm getting concerned because we're we're both in the second American Revolution and we're also apparently now in World War III combined. And this is going to take an extraordinary effort on our part. So I ran a story, which you would have got texted to you or emailed to you this week that said leaders of people convoy meet with Cruz and Johnson, Senator Cruz and Johnson in D.C. this week because the truckers got to D.C. and started circling. And when you go to that link, if you go to wethepeopleconvention.org, you will see that the video of their meeting is there and there's a lot of emotion and the, you know, the truckers saying we just want to get our we want to just get our, you know, freedom back. We want you to get out of our lives, okay? But I then had an editor's note, which I'm going to read to you, and you may want to replay this after I read it to you so you get it all. Editor's note. Politics is a game of force, not influence. 
Either you have the votes or I have the votes. Either you can make me do what you want or I can make you do what I want. Talk is only a tool to acquire force. For example, to convince more people to join the fight on your side. After the talk is done, each side uses its force to decide the issue. Driving around Washington, D.C. to annoy the politicians is a very weak show of force and will be ignored. Furthermore, the demands being made by the People's Convoy are too vague. Saying you want freedom back and you want government to leave you alone does not help you build force. What exactly do you want? At least demanding the unnecessary national emergency for COVID be ended is a legitimate demand. We need to say what we want and then take peaceful action to get it. We want the truck drivers to go home and park their trucks until these demands are met. Here are the demands. Number one, cancel all executive orders Biden issued restricting the production of U.S. oil, gas, coal, and nuclear energy and immediately return all regulation of the energy industry to the rules put in place by the Trump administration. Number two, finish the wall and close the southern border to illegal entry. Resume following the immigration laws passed by Congress as written. Not Mallorca's, you know, follow our values, follow the law. And immediately begin deporting the 2 million plus illegals who are illegally let into our nation, including by cutting off any and all taxpayer funds they may be getting, including funds used to pay for legal counsel in the United States. They will self-deport if they don't get the check. Appoint a special counsel to investigate the targeting of political enemies by the Biden White House, the FBI, DOJ, HHS, and any other agencies, including the Capitol Police and members of Congress who will call for such targeting and are doing it. Immediately release all of the January 6th political prisoners illegally held in Washington on $5,000 bail and allow them to get a change of venue for their trials since they clearly cannot get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. Immediately release all 14,000 hours of January 6th video to the public and to their attorneys, their defense attorneys. Finally, immediately end the national emergency for COVID and all mask and vaccine mandates in the United States. Appoint and fund a special counsel to investigate the actual number of deaths in the United States from COVID. The number of deaths such as suicide, drug overdose, deaths because of untreated or undiagnosed illness, making therapeutics illegal, etc., that were caused by government policies since 2020 and to investigate the financial relationships between government agencies uh, such as the NIH and CDC and individuals in government in those agencies and in Congress with the pharmaceutical companies. This list is a good start. Clearly, the ruling class and a uni party would never do any of this unless we make them. How do we make them do it? You conduct work stoppages and final strikes that strikes, financial strikes that hurt them as much as more as they are hurting us until they get the message. Peaceful strikes. You don't have to drive your truck. You don't have to have your money in the bank. You can take it out. Okay. Peaceful actions. The message is you work for us. And until they get the message, you know, we keep doing this. 
So you will spend the money the way we want, not the way you want. That's pretty straightforward. That's the message. You work for us, right? You work for us. We don't work for you. It's our money. You will spend it on us the way we want. Meet these demands or we don't stop. Now, we the people can come together and organize our collective efforts to make peaceful show of force. Can we? The People's Convoy is a great start, but it needs to become the vehicle that mobilizes our collective efforts. In other words, if they transition from Washington, go home, park their trucks, and then say, here's the deal. You didn't listen to us. We can't stand for this. Here's our demands. On this date, no trucks roll. If you don't listen to us then, on this date, no trucks roll. And there's a work stoppage. If you don't listen then, on this date, no trucks roll. There's a, a work stoppage and there's a, a run on the banks. Folks, I know that sounds radical to you. And I know you're like, well, gal, that's great, Tom, but we're never going to do it. So a couple things. I mean, I thought about running an ad in the Washington Times this week with that statement. So the truckers could get the message. I sent that message to the truckers through the only method I have. I don't have direct connection to them. I said, listen to me. What you're doing isn't going to work. You need better tactics. You need better strategies. Okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about spending your money, your donations, to run an ad. Okay? But I don't even know for sure whether you're with me. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a poll for the first time ever. Uh, I'm going to call you, probably on Sunday, and I'm going to call you and ask you if you would do a work stoppage, if you support my thoughts on this, if you agree with me that if we don't do this, we're never we're, we're going to be slaves. We just saw it from the ominous bill. We just saw the Rhino Uniparty Deep State steal $1.5 trillion of our money. When we got inflation roaring, what did they do? Put 6% more money into the, into the economy to cause what? More inflation. If they won't drill and, to, and, and say, we're going to help you, you know, we're going we're to lower gas prices by freeing up our oil and gas, aren't they the enemies? Don't you think they're never going to help us? It can't be more clear. The lines are drawn. It's time for us to act. And I'm trying, I'm praying to God. And I think God has given this to us. This, as I said last week, this is a peaceful way to reassert our freedom. And I think we got to do it. And I'm trying to figure out how to get there. And this is where I'm at today. But are you with me? You can, you can write to me at wethepeopleconvention.org. I always have that, you know, for this show. <clears throat> On our podcast page, you can click the link that says send Tom a message about this show so you can tell me if you're with me or not. You got to tell other people about this podcast. Let's see if they're with us. But you can write to me at info at wethepeopleconvention.org. Okay? And, and I really am starting to move towards, you know, here's our priority list, our patrons' priority list for this year. Fix the fraud legislatively. Take over the operations of polls. Recruit and support warrior candidates and turn out for the vote. Well, I'm kind of taking an all of the above approach, right? 
I'm losing, you know, I'm, I'm losing this idea that we need to just have one path to victory. In, in war, you have to change tactics. So yes, I think we have to try to close the fraud legislatively, and we're doing that. I think we have to work the polls, and you're doing that. I think we have to recruit warrior candidates. I, I'm not confident in that. I'm, I'm really concerned about that. And I haven't been able to you know, affect that change. I think we have to turn out our voters in huge numbers. I think that's going to happen, though. I've got people writing me saying, oh, it was rigged last time. Why would I vote? We got to fight that. But I think we also have to take control of the situation ourselves. And I think that's why we have to do this work stoppage thing. And and the only group that's organized enough, as, as little as that is, are these trucker groups. And so... I, I'm I'm looking at this as you know not you know this is the only thing we do because when we're done and and if we can just get them to break if we could just crush the left and force their hand by maybe having to starve them of fuel and food okay but whatever it takes they'll do whatever it takes to break you let me tell you like put you in prison for a year without a trial without a trial and beat you okay and starve you and not treat your illnesses that's what they're doing to jake lang and to these other political prisoners that's what war is so if we can break them on these issues, we regain the upper hand because then we can do it again and again. And you truckers, if you aren't going to fight when gas, diesel, fuel is going to put you out of business, then you, you better think about the fact that, you know what, the virtual class, and remember, go to our website and look at that story that's really critical. If you don't know what this is all about, it's come down to this, right? The working class versus the virtual class. The people who work in reality and the people who work in a virtual world. Guess what their answer to truck drivers are, guys? Self-driving trucks. You going to wait till that happens? Till you have no damn job? Or are you going to fight now while you can fight? Right? I'll refer you to the Winston Churchill quote at the end of our show. All right, I covered a lot. You need to go back and look at things. You need to put them in your mind so you know them, okay? Review the segments. We'll have the links. You can read the stories. Educate yourself. Educate others. Act in the defense of your freedom and liberty. That's what I'm asking you to do, okay? We'll be back, God willing, next week. We appreciate you watching. We appreciate you telling other people about this. And, uh, and we just got to pray to God for wisdom and courage. And we got to have the courage of the Ukrainians, the courage that, you know, our forefathers have, the courage that obviously not, you know, enough of our American citizens have to defend this land and to defend the greatest form of government ever and the greatest way of life ever created. And I got news for you. They got nothing out there that matches what we're living right now. What we lived during the Trump years, they got nothing to match that. Everything is downhill from here if we don't stand and fight right now. Because, again, they're going to drive gas prices up to $7, $8 a gallon. They ain't never coming down. COVID is over. Uh, you know, Biden's still keeping the national emergency so he can rule over you. It's, they're gonna, they're, what they're doing to Russia, they're going to do to you. This is war.
real war. It's going to hurt you and me personally. It may even kill us. I'll read the Churchill quote after the, after the Madison Rising National Anthem. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next week. My name is Tom Zawistowski, and you've been watching the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast.
again.